4: If you're looking for some new podcast merch, head to PodSwag.com to
3: shop the Directionally
4: Challenged collection. The
3: collection includes a marbled ceramic mug, enamel pin set, roadmap poster, and Diane Keaton t-shirt in sizes XS through XXL. Shop the collection today at PodSwag.com
4: challenged. That is PodSwag.com challenged. Directionally Challenged. Hey guys, it's Candice and Kayla, and we are Directionally Challenged. God, we thought we'd have it all figured out by the time we were 30. But guess what? We don't. We don't. We it don't.
3: <laughs> even older than 30, just <laughs> but, by a smidge. I mean, we're a little bit older than we're 30. We're a little bit older than 30. We're like early-ish, early-ish 30s. Ish, and yes. we are still trying to figure it out. And that's okay, because we have wonderful guests on this podcast, including our guest today, Jeanette Schneider, Guys, she's awesome. She's a speaker. She's an author. She's an advocate. She's also a badass mom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really
4: love our conversation with Jeanette because I think that she has so much to share and so many
3: tips and tricks that I'm absolutely going to implement now. Yeah. She, she used to work in finance for 23 years. She was in finance and then she decided to hang up her executive title and become an advocate for women in life. She's the president and CEO of live media. And she's also got a book out right now called lore lore,
4: harnessing your past to create your future. And she also has a blog. I mean, I don't know what this woman doesn't do. And she has such great advice about being the CEO of you and um, creating the best work-life balance, which I know, Candace, you and I have talked many times off air about um, how to create that balance and even how to find the balance to begin with. Do you feel like you're the CEO of your own life? No. And that's why when I saw her speak about that, it spoke to me and and I really am happy we have her today because, um, I think I try to be the CEO of my own life, but I let too many other things in like and then it gets jumbled everyday life and other people's opinions because I, and I talked to Jeanette about this as well, how I'm such a people pleaser by nature. And so I'll let what other people think hold as much weight in my world as what I think. And I know that that's not productive. I have to listen to my own inner self first. And that's one thing I learned today that I'm going to take home and implement. Um, do you feel like you do a good job of that?
3: I think I'm getting better. I um, I I don't know. I think that my issue is that I try to. I just feel very spread thin. So no, I don't. I and I feel like. Ex- no. Yeah. I'm trying to th- <laughs> say that I do, but I don't. Um, and I think that's what I've really tried to work on this year is I had that epiphany when we had Monica Berg on for our first season that I put so much of my self-worth in and my identity in what I do and not who I am as a person. And I'm slowly trying to get better at that and let that be okay, um, especially as an actor and or any sort of kind of freelance job you aren't necessarily on this like nine to five payroll of like work your way up to the next thing and in the corner office. And that's kind of the mindset that I always had. And, and having two professional parents, my dad's a doctor, my mom worked as an environmental engineer, and that's how it worked for them. You know, you get good grades in school and then you go to college and then you get your degrees and then you get the job and then you continue working so that you can get the, the better job within the job. And that's not really how it works <laughs> in the in the arts and entertainment necessarily mm-hmm. in, in our division as actors. Um, and so I feel like having been on a show that ran for so long, I allowed that to be my identity. And the second that that went away, I had a total identity crisis. And I think I'm just now kind of coming out of that where I felt like I had to make excuses of, of like lack of productivity even though I was being very productive and I was still working and creating, we created this together. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I had other business ventures I was exploring, but the problem was is because I didn't feel it was as significant to what other people thought I should be doing or comparing myself to what other people are doing or because it didn't take up every single hour of my day. I genuinely felt and still some days feel that because I am not working from 6 a.m. to 8 p.m., that, oh, I, what am I doing with my life? I'm not very successful. Do you feel okay when you have time? Like, are you okay with time? Are you okay with time with your family? Are you okay with time for yourself? Or do you feel guilty? This pregnancy is teaching me a lot right now. And I am learning that I need to take more
4: time for myself and that a lot of my time is spent trying to, um, be more productive when in reality if I just sat down for a minute and was able to recoup and rejuvenate then the productivity would find me and that's what I'm (laughs) trying to do as we sit here right now
3: (laughs) but have you also learned a lot about yourself by just being able to sit down and read up on things that you wouldn't have normally read up on um or just have conversations with your husband that you normally wouldn't have because you're kind of forced to kind of talk about life in a new way. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, it's helped me grow completely in so many different ways that I didn't know. It's so funny. Um, One of my dad's mentors, his name is Lou Holtz. um, I totally recommend reading any of his books or if you ever have the privilege to be able to hear him speak. He's such a wonderful speaker and a great man. He's a very famous college football coach. And, um, and he has this thing that he says at a lot of his talks and he says, if you, if you, if you ain't growing, you're dying. <laughs> and I kind of love that so much for, and it's like the most simple way. And Joe and I say that to each other all the time oh, Wow, when we get too caught up in like, Oh, like, what did I do today? Or like, or the days that were like, Oh, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. And, and now the, the kids are fed and, and I just ran here and I have this meeting and everything's going great. And, and now we're going to sit on the couch and we're going to watch this show for two hours. Cause this is what we wanted to do. And then we're going to try to go to everything bed. Everything is scheduled. And everything is so scheduled. And, and, we're, and I'm just like, why am I not happy and fulfilled at this, at the end of this really, really productive day? And the reality is, is because I didn't really grow much. I just kind of checked a bunch of boxes of things that I was supposed to do throughout the day. And, um, and I love that we explore that later on in the episode, but today, um, but, but I think that we get so caught up on like, what does it mean to be pro- a productive member of society? What does it mean to be busy? And as women, I think we get this too, because it's either, you know, if you're a, a stay at home mother, it's, oh, well then you don't work. Or if you're a working mom, it's like, you're not, it's, you have to kind of always be like, oh, well, you're not doing enough at home. And so we get caught up in these labels of what every day is supposed to look like. And and then I just feel like everyone ends up walking around feeling guilty or stressed or, Or then there's that like other special group of people that have it all figured out and must be happy somewhere. No,
4: no one like that exists. And that's what we talk about with Jeanette. You guys, our conversation with her is fascinating. So stay tuned. Here we go. All right. And we are here with Jeanette Schneider. Jeanette, thank you so much for joining us today.
5: Oh, I'm so thrilled. I just wish I could be there in person, but thank you for having me. So
4: do we, but you look great on Skype. We see you right now. You look super cute, fresh from the gym. I love it. That's right. Thank you. Um, So one thing we love about you so you worked for 23 years in finance and then you just decided to hang up your executive title and advocate for women. Was there a specific experience that happened to you or was it a culmination of everything and what aided that decision?
5: Oh, I wish I could say I just decided it because it was a culmination. It was so many things that had happened over the course of probably my career and then moving into a space where I was becoming a mom, especially mom to a little girl. So I'd been in male dominated field of finance. And um, when I had my daughter, I was like, you know what? I don't want her to enter the same kind of places that I am in right now. I want it to look differently by the time that she gets there. And I've been writing forever. But I decided, like, if I'm going to use my words, I'm going to use them for things that are important to me. And my company, oddly enough, the like, perfect storms kind of happen. My company, oddly enough, started looking at the gender lens movement. So it's like, how do we put women and girls in positions of power, put them in office, make sure that they're decision makers, um, because they actually help communities and economies. And I was like, well, I can I – can, uh, Advocate for this. I can get on board when we take data and we take what I could feel being in the work environment. And then I was looking at my daughter, like, I have to do this for you and your friends.
4: I love that so much because I'm um, uh, pregnant with my first child, going to be the mother of a, a daughter as well. And you're right. It completely changes your mindset. I know Candace is a mama of um, two stepdaughters and another daughter. Yeah, so have-
3: three girls in our house, girls three young women. Everywhere. Girl power. I love it. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> and, and it's true. I actually was having this discussion at dinner with a group of friends where it's 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 the cultural shift of hoping that um, that not only that these young women, our daughters, this new generation of young women can see themselves in any job that they want, but they know that it's because they're qualified, it's for the right reasons, they're not going to be treated differently within this workplace. All it is is just equal opportunity and equal rights for every person that gets hired. And um and and setting up this world so hopefully they can have that experience at this point. So what – oh, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. No, I love
5: that. And I think that that's one of the things that we need to get to as a culture is walking in as a, a whole person. And I think that's one of the things that my generation – has had issues with as we walk into to some of these environments feeling like we have to either masculinize or sexualize ourselves. So we don't know how to stand in spot as our pure self. And I love that the women advocating right now are giving examples to girls as how they can walk into a, a work environment, into a relationship, into all of these things as this pure human being, um, regardless of gender, that, that doesn't take the front the front row. Um, so I, I love what you just said.
3: Had you kind of fallen out of love with the, your career? career in finance then
5: I fallen out of love I had a great career and I loved my clients and I loved what I did um I think for me sometimes you feel like there's something bigger kind of knocking right you're kind of like you go into the office and the work was challenging it would always be challenging because of the type of clients that I was dealing with and the, the opportunities that I had access to I had amazing you know I'm I'm, I'm working with you know huge global nonprofits and really wealthy individuals to figure out like how to go after specific issues with capital. It's like taking capitalism in heart and marrying it. And I loved it, but there was still that, that patriarchal, um, a toxic kind of community belief system or system of power that I just couldn't subscribe to anymore. And it just didn't feel good. Like you'd walk in and you're like, the work was good, but my soul didn't belong there anymore. And I knew that I could do more away from that space.
4: What advice can you offer our listeners who are struggling with, um, sexual harassment in the workplace or gender discrimination or anything of that sort? Are those the things you
3: are experiencing?
5: There's a lot of different, I mean, so I was with the same firm for 20 something years, right? So I, someone, I, every time I speak to the Girl Scouts, they have me come speak at their STEM and STEAM conferences. And every single time a little girl will ask me, have you ever experienced gender discrimination? Yes, absolutely. Unfortunately, I can say me too way too many times. Um, I was also sexually harassed by a client. We ended up in litigation. So I had some really ugly experiences where it was very hard to be a woman in in those environments. And you didn't want to walk into a space being a woman. I wanted to be able to walk into a space and have them listen to what I had to say or, or realize how smart I was rather than being a gender And unfortunately, I had these experiences. Um, So that had a lot to do with it. And I remember one time someone asked me, they're like, how is it that it's happened to you? And I'm like, I don't think you understand. There was a huge study that was done by the American Bankers Association that two out of three women in finance have been sexually harassed. Mm. So it's It's unfortunately kind of the world that we lived in. And you watch Wolf of Wall Street or Boiler Room, it's packed in. I mean, that's the culture. It's kind of like you move from your dad's house to the frat house when you move into some of those corporate environments. So, yeah, I experienced them. And I think for me, I was tired of walking to a room and trying to figure out how to show up for the person across the table. I couldn't just walk in with my big brain and my smarts and, you know, instead I had to walk in and kind of be like, how do I have to play this so that I can get out of this room with what I need to get done um, without having to have a conversation that makes me uncomfortable.
4: Yeah, that makes so much sense. Um, One of the things I love about you is you always talk about being the CEO of you. And, um, I think that's such an important lesson for everyone to learn in their lives, no matter what age they are, no matter what they're doing, if they're in the corporate world or if they're just, you know, still in high school or whatever. Um, and I know you do, you speak on that a lot. Can you elaborate for our listeners on that?
5: I think it's so important for people to really, um, pay attention to the difference between you and the, the, what you're buying into, right? within a corporate framework, whether it's within any type of um, structure, any type of corporate structure or work environment, they have their own kind of culture and make sure that you're bringing your whole self there. So you're not thinking of yourself as plugged into part of a whole because they want you to believe that. We call it institutionalizing, right? And in some ways it's kind of funny... In some ways, it's just about what it is. My executive coach refers to that. He's like, you know, since I left corporate America, I've almost been grieving and really paying attention to how I have to shift my perspective to realize like, even though I wasn't attached to it, it still became who I was. So I think
3: grieving the identity that so much of your own identity was in what you did, not who you are.
5: Exactly. And the
3: only reason I know that statement is because I had to learn it on a different podcast episode because I have the same issue. (laughs) (laughs) I've had to be working on that within myself. So I totally get that feeling. And it happens way too often
5: we attach ourselves i think to sometimes the framework and not to the idea of being our own c level executive we've got our own little i've got my own little brain trust around me and it's my career and my life and my relationships we attach ourselves too much sometimes i think to the mindset or the corporate culture that that wants us to stay there and perform and be revenue generating and we've all you know, bought into this whole, you have to have a pension plan. You have to have a 401k. You need to own a home. You need to, everything needs to look like this. And so when you start to pull yourself away from that and move into different frameworks, you do, you, you grieve that identity that you didn't even realize that you subscribed to.
4: Is there anything that we can do to c- continue to pull away and help find our own identity? Any little tips or tricks you have that helped you in that process?
5: I think for me, the best thing that I could have done was to really take care. I know this sounds like you move from I, I can be both like super logical, corporate data driven and then super spiritual. Oh. So on the opposite end of the spectrum, I had to get clear on who I was and not who I was told to be, not who the person was on my, you know, quarterly performance review. I had to spend time, you know, meditating, journaling, getting clear on who I was, understanding the types of relationships I wanted around me, whether that was familial, romantic or within a corporate environment. I really had to get clear on who I was. And so like the one thing that I would tell anyone is take a step back sometimes and try to get perspective because you're in the grind so much that all you see is what people are telling you who you, who to be and how to be around you if you can kind of pull yourself back a little bit and really say okay well how do I how do I lead into this and, and trust your intuition because you're gonna walk into rooms sometimes and be like I don't belong here mm-hmm. you're going to be in a situation where someone speaks to you and you're like they shouldn't be talking to me like this I don't believe this about myself and I think you have to really hold on to that thread that tells you something's not right because what we sometimes find that we've done is that in our, in our desire to achieve, we've allowed negative behaviors to become more acceptable. And we've allowed people who we wouldn't necessarily want to go on vacation with to take more of our time than our family does. So so to really pay attention to, to who you are and the difference between you and them.
3: What, if you don't mind me asking, what age were you when you kind of had this revelation of, Okay, I think I meant for something bigger than this. This does not make me feel good in the ways that I know it should make me feel good. And mm-hmm. I have more to offer the world and and what what age were you and I know you had kind of mentioned that you had had a child was this all during that same time?
5: I think it's it's happened in layers, right? So it's like from the time I was very young, I knew that I wanted to create. I've had this this kind of realization since I was a teenager, like my words are very powerful. I'm supposed to leave my words behind. So I always knew that I was supposed to do something that added you know, creativity to the world, or there was some type of message that I was able to share. But then you want to get married and you want to have a baby and you want to have the title. So you kind of forget all of those dreams that you have. And it was after, so for, for me, my daughter was hard to come by. So I went through five rounds of IVF to have her. And immediately after I had this beautiful baby who had colic of the demonic variety, oh, <laughs> my marriage failed. So I went through, like, I had, like, I achieved, I wanted all of these things and I had them. I had this big, beautiful house. I had this gorgeous little baby and everything was falling completely apart. And I went into survival mode, right? Cause then I'm like, okay, who am I as a single co-parenting mother? Um, who am I as a, you know, an executive? Who am I as a friend? Who am I as a woman? I mean, I really had to get clear. I spent six years single trying to understand the difference between me, me between me and everyone else. And I think that was the best time that I've ever spent because I've gotten really, really clear on those things. But I think the divorce and the breakup of my family was kind of one of those moments where I was like, all right, I need to stand for something because I built the beautiful house and I built the dream family and I don't have them anymore. So and I that's need to where you recreate. put your identity. Exactly.
4: So it sounds like what helped you through that process was journaling, meditating, spending more time, getting to know yourself again because maybe you had lost yourself within the corporate identity. Um, that's fascinating. I think that's something that we probably all should do more of. And it's probably on a list somewhere, right? Candace and I always talk about Candice is like, I want to meditate. I know I need to meditate, but <laughs> it might not always happen. So, right. um, did you set aside a specific amount of time or was it like a, I'm going to do this every morning or how did you create that space in your life?
5: Um, I kind of feel like sometimes like I get smacked around when I'm not paying attention. Right. So I, I was like, I need to take care of myself. And I found my yoga practice uh, or my my meditation in my yoga practice. That was when I first became introduced to breath work. And all of a sudden, I noticed that when I was going to these specific classes, my mindset and mentality was so much better. So I played around with meditation and self-care and yoga and all of those things. And what I realized is as I was doing them more actively, I wasn't having, I, I have anxiety. I wasn't having panic Tax, I had a lot more of a calmer presence. People were even commenting like, you're super Zen. You're like a very calm person. I've been told that I am very disarming. And it's kind of funny because I was like, oh, but this, this feels natural to me. This, this feels like who I am. Mm -hmm. But I was like, oh, but you're supposed to grind girl, like hustle. Like I was all into that whole mindset. Those hashtag boss girl things that I just can't really relate to as much anymore. Because I think there's a confidence that comes when all of a sudden you're like, I know who I am and I don't need to hashtag it out and talk about grinding and hustling. I work very hard. I have great relationships and I do everything intentionally and purposefully. And I think that that I recognize that having that, it's a morning meditative practice, right? Waking up in the morning, spending some time alone, really getting clear on myself, um, journaling, uh, I did an exercise with a group of really powerful, successful women where I asked them to write love letters to their younger selves. And the idea was just that it was supposed to be like something to offer as viral mentorship for other women and girls. We realized like how much of what we believed about ourselves and our identities were not true and based on cultural, generational, social programming, stuff that we believed from the time we were kids. And so I spent a lot of time doing that and unwinding and understanding why I was showing up in certain work settings feeling like I needed to achieve and I need that to be my identity, why I was walking into relationships feeling like I was unworthy. Um so there's a lot of deep reflection and it always I could always go back to my meditation. I could always go back to that practice every single morning. And it's almost like I just got a better toolbox. And um I don't want to live any other way now. Like I think now that I know that you can live this way, that I know that you can get in front of your day, in front of your relationships and builds them with purpose, there's no other way to live.
3: I don't understand why we all had to decide we're so busy in order to be productive. And mm-hmm. that is, I think, the biggest lesson I'm starting to take away from 2019 is that the more busy I think I am, the not it doesn't mean that I'm producing these wonderful results from just being busy. It doesn't make me a better mother. It doesn't make me a better partner. It doesn't make me better at my job. Um, it, and I, th- but there's this fear of like keeping up with the Joneses to the extreme because of a lot of people feel like social media, but even in conversations I've found, um, where that's one of the first things it's not only like, well, what do you do? It's mm-hmm. what are you doing next? And yeah. what it's this constant, like, you can't even really enjoy what you're doing. Cause it's, what are you doing next?
5: I feel like we've been plugged into this kind of mindset Um, And I feel like it's almost kind of that corporate patriarchal, like we need revenue, we need goals. We need, so like our mindsets are always like, how are you achieving? How are you achieving? How are you achieving? And it creates this busy means productive, busy means good. And I've had to reframe busy for me. I've recognized that when I'm busy and I look crazy, like my hair is on fire, that does not mean that I'm productive. (laughs) I have been the most successful when I have told people today, today's a Monday, it's one o'clock. I went to a high intensity class at 1030 that I go to every Monday because after I leave that high intensity class, I write like crazy. My writing is inspired because I've gotten all of that mental mush out of my head. If I were to walk into an office and be like, I'm sorry, I can't come into the office until at least noon because I need to go to a hit class. They would be like, you're insane like you have to produce you have to be here at this time and we have to work this time to this time and we just we've plugged into this patriarchal model of the way that we should achieve that has nothing to do with real life and it doesn't have anything to do with science or chemistry or honoring like when we when we're at our best and when we actually are able to create one of the things i also do which is a takeaway that has been so helpful for me is i work with an executive coach and i align my days to be free days, um, focus days and maintenance days. So my free days, I give myself permission to be fully present with the people that I love. I don't touch work and I don't feel guilty about it because I can be so incredibly present with them on my focus days. I am revenue generating and like go away. I can't spend any time on anything that is not revenue generating pushing my um my company forward. And then my maintenance days are the days that I run errands and I get groceries and I pay the bills and I talk to my development team and I'm working through strategy and I allow myself two days a week where I'll take coffee or I'll take lunch with a friend just to catch up and feed my soul. So I've created moments within my week and I know how my body performs, how my mind performs and when I'm the most creative and I've it's amazing. It's been so incredibly helpful.
4: That's hugely beneficial. Will you break that down in a week's perspective? So how many days are maintenance days? How many days are, um, what was one of the other? Focus, Focus days. days. Focus days. Yeah.
5: So I, um, I look over the course of a year. So if you take oh. the course of a year and you say, I want to have 110 to 120 free days, which seems insane. But if you put in your weekends and your holidays, um, so put in Saturday, Sunday is a free day. Uh, uh, the holidays that you want to take, and then a couple of vacations and plan them in advance. And these are my pockets of time where I will be fully present with the people that I love. Um, And on the calendar first, after that would be like, say, 100 days of um, focus days. And those are the days that I know I'm going to be insanely present. And I think it takes a few months to kind of learn your system and learn how you work really well. Like I know I record podcasts on Tuesdays. Because on Mondays, I've taken my hit class, I've done a ton of writing, I'm inspired, so I can go in the studio on Tuesdays, and I can bang out a bunch of podcasts. Because I've created almost a mental flow that makes that puts me at my peak performance. I know on Wednesdays, that's a maintenance day, so I can pay the bills so I don't have to worry about them. I can check all of my stats, talk to my team. And like even my team knows we know not to bother you on Mondays and then on Tuesdays, not to touch you until two o'clock in the afternoon because you're in the studio all morning. So it's almost like I've created this, but I'm at such peak performance when I'm dealing with all the people in my life. There's no arguments. There's no question because they know I'm my my most present when I'm with them.
3: I can feel maybe someone might think like, Oh, well that how convenient, like not everyone can take that time. But what's interesting is I think that's such an American way of thinking because like just traveling even last summer or even just recently, like there's like I was on an island and there's like this one woman who makes chicken and that's all like she just she's been there since a friend of mine was a child and she makes chicken every single day. And we were waiting in line for this chicken. And when the chicken's out, the chicken's out. And we asked for like some of the extra stuff. And they're like, nope. That's it. Like, mm-hmm. because we're taking this home for our families and this is our day and this is where it is and this is where it ends. As opposed yep. to, no, we have to keep grinding and more, and more, and more. And even in like tiny towns traveling where it's like people are like, oh, no, no matter what we go on this month and mm-hmm. we go as a family and we go away. I met a guy who was starting a, a business where he like drives people for different tourist excursions. And we were talking and I was like, wow, yeah, starting your own business. And that's a lot. Like you're taking on a lot. And he's like, yeah, I know, especially before vacation. And I asked him, where are you going? He's like, well, for a month, you know, everyone kind of goes away. And I was Mm -hmm. like, but you're starting a business. You're supposed to be stressed and be here. And what are you going to do? And he's like, (laughs) no, this is just what we do. And I was like, oh, people just give themselves permission to enjoy life and their family and And it's that simple. And it's hard to apply that into kind of this American busy
4: culture. But the way that you were discussing how you look at a year and set aside those days, I can see how if you already have it all planned out then Mm -hmm. you can really own that, no, today is a vacation day. Today's a day I'm going to spend time with my family and that quality time. I mean, quality over quantity, right? So that's exactly what you end up doing. And then it then in turn feeds your productivity as well, which is really fascinating.
5: Well, absolutely. And I think one of the things too, like if, if someone is listening and they're like, but I work eight to five. That's fine, but you can still have a mindset when you walk into the office today. Are, today is my revenue generating day. Today is the day that I'm moving certain things forward and projects and arrange them in that way. Today is my maintenance day, so today is the day I'm going to do emails or I'm going to do my you know sales calls or whatever. And I think that there's ways of structuring it and framing it so that you have the ability. I, and I think that's what confuses so many people. We think that this. If you tell people I'm busy, it looks at you. There are so many CEOs and entrepreneurs that are like, if you're that busy, you are ineffective. Like it's it's the, the culture is changing and shifting to kind of be like, I'm not sure I'd want to hire you if you look crazy busy all the time because I don't think that you know how to manage your life. And I don't know what kind of relationships you have with your family. How are you feeding yourself? Because, and I've even said to the people I've brought on board, if you're going to work with me, you have to be a little woke. You mm-hmm. have to have done some work on yourself. You have to have a good relationship with your family. And um, I think
4: you address this in your book, right? You have a book that came out in September of 2018, Lore, Harnessing Your Past to Create Your Future. Can you, can you talk to us a little bit about that?
5: Yeah, absolutely. So the book, I think... For me, it was really interesting because, you know, I talked about those love letters women wrote to their younger selves and there's 12 curated letters within the book. Um, and it's it's really to kind of it's past, present, future based. So basically, before you do this deep work on yourself and start to actually manifest your focus days and create this new life and learn how to handle um handle things with a new toolbox, you really have to get clear on the things you believe about yourself that are untrue. And so I walk people through in the very beginning of the book, how to really kind of uncover those stories and our negative belief systems, as well as the way we're talking to ourselves and the way we're talking to our friends and our spouses in front of our children. And we don't even realize that we are creating mental models and paradigms for them subconsciously. Um, We could speak to them consciously with such purpose, but subconsciously they're picking up other messages that we're not aware of. So I walk people through that kind of mindset shift. And then we move into um, really getting clear on the people that you bring around you, um, your orientation with choice, making sure you're making active choices at all times and then moving into that, like, I want to manifest my future. I want to be creative with my days. I want to make sure that I'm tapping into that higher version of myself and and doing everything I can to get to her. So it's kind of like almost like working through a workshop and all of the stuff that I've talked about is is in there somewhere. Um, and a lot of people, when they first read it at the very beginning, they're like, Oh my gosh, this is so hard. And like, you don't know me. So if it's hard for you to read, that means you have something inside you that you need to work through. Mm -hmm. Um, I simply ask questions. I'm, I don't, I, I never pretend that I'm a guru or that I have the answers. I just, I just offer you some questions to ask yourself.
4: And that's hard to do. That's, I feel like that <laughs> self-work is the hardest work to do even yeah. just on, on any level. So, um, I love that you have the exercises within your book. So for our listeners, if they, if this is something that they really want to, um, own, they can grab your book and get to work. Right. I love it. Yes, Absolutely. <laughs> Hey guys, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute.
2: Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans.
3: With America's number one meal kit, HelloFresh, you'll get easy seasonal recipes and pre-measured ingredients delivered right to your door. All you have to do is cook and enjoy. HelloFresh
4: makes cooking delicious meals at home a reality. From step-by-step recipes to pre-measured ingredients, you'll have everything you need to get a wow-worthy dinner on the table in about 30 minutes. Say
3: goodbye to endless grocery store trips and takeout. HelloFresh has you covered. There's something for everyone, from family recipes to calorie-smart and vegetarian and fun menu series like Hall of Fame and Craft Burgers.
4: HelloFresh has more five-star recipes than any other meal kit. So you'll know you're getting something incredible. HelloFresh is flexible and it fits your lifestyle. Easily change your delivery days, food preferences, and skip a week whenever you need.
3: Break out of your dinner rut and make deliciousness part of every week with HelloFresh. I love that it's so easy to order meals and then the following week, especially during the summertime if you're going on a trip, they make it so easy on the website to put a hold on your meal and cancel.
4: And they have all types of cuisine. I mean, they had me use Thai basil the other time and I, I legitimately had never even known Thai basil existed. You use Thai basil? Yes. For $80 off your first month of HelloFresh, go to HelloFresh.com slash Challenged80 and enter Challenged80. It's like receiving eight free meals only at HelloFresh.com slash Challenged80. Promo code Challenged80 for years we've been told that clean meant one thing, sanitize it's supposed to be healthy but sanitizers and disinfectants wipe out everything, all the good healthy stuff along with any bad.
3: Like your gut your home has a microbiome too and research is starting to show that this kill-em-all approach may be going too far with negative effects on our health especially for kids.
4: Now Aunt Fanny's brings probiotics to your home and your hands with their new microcosmic line their household cleaners hands. soaps add good with probiotic power.
3: Each has an extract of beneficial bacteria plus super effective plant-based ingredients to be tough on dirt and gentle on you.
4: These formulas are non-toxic, cruelty-free, and have 100% essential oil scents. No fake fragrances. They're hypoallergenic and dermatologist tested too.
3: Why stop at just natural cleaning when you can do one better with probiotics? Shop now at AmpFanny's.com good and get 20% off your entire order with coupon code CHALLENGED at checkout. That's slash
4: good coupon code challenged.
3: challenged. Lenny Lou makes comfortable, luxurious leather sandals in a variety of beautiful and versatile styles. Purchase a pair for yourself, or order a matching mother-daughter set for an added element of family fun.
4: Lenny Lou's ultra-soft sandals are handcrafted by a team of artisans in the south of Brazil. They're made with soft goat skin leather, allowing the sandals to stretch to your foot without the painful blister-filled break-in period of most shoes.
3: These master-crafted sandals are individually tested for comfort and fit, and they look amazing with any outfit. Add a pop of color to a casual jeans and t-shirt day, or pair them with your favorite summer dress. Lenny Lou's Goddess Collection is currently available for a limited time only, and they will sell out quickly, so don't wait. If you don't love your Lenny
4: Lou's, send them back for a full refund. You have nothing to lose. We got the cutest pair of shoes, mother-daughter. What color? uh, Yellow, and they are adorable little sandals, and... She's not even born yet, and I can't wait to put
3: her in them. Oh, we are best friends because I ordered the same ones for Florence. Oh, and did you really? Oh my yes. gosh. Yes, they're so darling. It's this beautiful, like, mustard yellow suede, and they're so comfortable. It's hard to find good kids' shoes that aren't going to give your little ones blisters, and Lenny Lou does it right.
4: Go to LennyLou.com and enter promo code directionally challenged to get 20% off plus free shipping, and sign up for their newsletter to be the first to hear when new styles are released.
3: That's L E N N Y L U dot com promo code directionally challenged for 20% off. And we're back. What inspired you to start your podcast?
5: That was kind kind of funny because I um, had thought about, I feel like sometimes things just kind of fall into my lap and I'll say them and then like, Months later, like it's just like here, do this thing. I thought about creating something. I like to speak. I I speak quite a bit. I think we're all born inherently with gifts, things that we know about ourselves. And I've actually been told that you know, oh, it's brave of you to say that when you speak that you move people, right? But if you know that, and if when you speak to someone, or you're in front of a room, or you do an interview, and you make make someone laugh, cry, or think, then I think you have to harness that and. Um, I was like, I don't know how to do a podcast, but I feel like this would be a good medium for me. And I happened to be touring a friend's location. They were doing a event there. It's like a, it's a, it's a studio that offers like events for nonprofits. And I was like, yeah, I need to record my audible for my book. And he's like, I've got a studio in the back and I have a sound engineer. Do you want to like have me do your audible for your book here? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, Hey, have you ever thought about doing a podcast? And I was
4: like,
5: <laughs> yes. And um, next thing I know, I have a fancy studio and a sound engineer, and it all kind of came together. And I've been very fortunate that there are lots of really amazing people who want to share their stories, and I love to talk. So that's my long-winded explanation for the accidental magical way it all came together. Yeah,
4: but sometimes when you're supposed to supposed to do something, life creates that for you, and then you the just have yeah the opportunity, and then you have to follow. Yeah. Um, Your website has a really great quote on it. It says, surround yourself with bright stars. If a person dims your light, makes your shoulders slump or hurts you, send them on their way with love. And if love doesn't work, sometimes block the feature. The block feature on your cell phone will. And I think that I love it so much. But that is something that is so hard to do in life. I find that I am such a people pleaser by nature, and it's really hard for me to let people go and send them on their way. Do you have any tips or tricks for me or anyone else like me that struggles with this on a daily basis?
5: I think we all struggle with this, but I also think that you have to really, if you want to be a better version of yourself every day, you have to surround yourself with people who also want to not. Only See you be a better version of yourself, but also be great people too. And so I've really gotten aware of my body. And like, if someone walks into a room and I feel my so- shoulder slump in, or when they're talking, I cross my arms in front of me, I'm like, "Ooh, what's going on here?" Like, I really pay attention to my own body language. If they send me a text and I'm like, "Why am I sighing?" <laughs> like, there's mm-hmm. something there. If I am, um, if I mute myself. And my excitement, like sometimes I get really excited about things, and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, guess what I'm working on!" And someone's like, "That's great." Then I'm like, "Ooh, you can't be happy for me, and you never will." So yuck. Um, So I just have gotten to the place where if you recognize those parts of yourself, and you don't have to make this public declaration, like, "Hey, if you're still my friend, congratulations, you didn't get lost in the Facebook cleanup of 2018." (laughs) Whatever. Make yourself busy with the people who who want to see you win, make yourself busy with the people who want to win at life. If you're filling your calendar and your soul and your time with the people who are doing really great things beside you and for you and with you, then there won't be time and space to have an uncomfortable conversation. Those relationships fall away. But I will also tell you is all of the people that I have kind of invited out of my life, there's a few of them have reached out to me to ask me like, Hey, what happened? You got really busy, but I feel like something's more, there's something more. And i said, if you'd like for me to be honest, I'll share. And wow. And they all said, yes. And they said, I am on a path. And when I talk to you, sometimes I have to mute myself. Sometimes you're not happy for me. And I don't like that energy in my life. And I love you. And I hope that you're okay. But I can't surround myself with that right now because it brings me down. And every single person that I had that asked me and I had that very honest conversation with said, thank you, first of all, because that's true friendship. I'm also, I'm Facebook friends with all of them still. Mm. Um, when something great happens, we send each other like congratulations, but there's no tie there. There's no like guilt. There's no whatever, because there was a very honest conversation. And a couple of them have even said, like, you gave me permission to look at myself. I think I'm depressed. I think I'm in a toxic relationship. I think I'm unhappy with my weight and myself. Here are some books and some podcasts for you to listen to. God bless. Um and I just think it, it gave them permission to work on themselves. Cause it came from such a place of um Love. of authenticity. It was very genuine.
4: Yeah, and not only does it help you, but clearly it really helps them as well. Yeah. Okay, that's a good life lesson
3: for me. I always think that's when you know that you just you genuinely had had and have respect for that person because there are people mm-hmm. that I feel like where I say like I don't, I don't think that I would ever want to sit next to a dinner table with this person. I don't particularly like this person. Um, However, it's okay. Like you don't always have to get along with everyone. You don't always have to like everyone. But for some people, I at least still respect them. I think it's always Mm -hmm. hard when the respect is gone. But for people like what you're saying that who are friends or that where you just feel like, the relationship has kind of changed. If I think that is always such a great thing is be honest. Yeah. When they ask it, it really, I think it shows someone, I respect you enough to tell you the truth as opposed to just go like, I guess I just got busy, you know? Right.
5: Right. Which is so placating. And I think it's, it's honoring the relationship that maybe you did have and the person that they can become, um, in that space. And it's always been met and well-received.
4: I want to make sure we have a chance to talk about lore advocacy because that's mm-hmm. something that I know you uh, are really active in, mm-hmm. and um, you guys come—it's you guys are—it's essentially an organization that you started, right, to um, support what you think are the most vulnerable population, which is girls. And mm-hmm. what is that that you guys do exactly?
5: We're a group of professional women who've just become like best friends, and it's so funny when we started talking about like, hey, how can we help? girls. Um, it was like, I don't want to drink wine with you. I want to like solve problems with you. Like that's the Mm -hmm. mindset of these women and everyone's really powerful and has great networks in their own right. And they come together and like, okay, what are we doing? Mm -hmm. Um, and I love that about them. So we have a couple of people who are, um, in politics and attorneys. And so we recently have brought an, and we're shining more light on human trafficking and, and girls who are pulled into human trafficking that go through, there's kind of a, a trail that goes through Las Vegas, unfortunately, um, up towards Portland. And so we're kind of shining a light on, on that. I'm so proud when I walk into the airport and in the bathrooms, there's signs where if you're the victim of human trafficking, call this number. Um, and we put on a, a big dinner for the attorney general, really bringing to light the issue and, the, and normalizing the conversation. I think was the the, the biggest thing is that they're they they prey on young girls who don't have strong family ties or especially the foster care population. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've worked on that. I personally want more girls in STEM and STEAM-based um, fields. Um, what does that mean,
4: STEM and STEAM?
5: STEM and STEAM. So STEM is basically science, technology, engineering, and math. Um, STEAM, they added the A for arts. Mm-hmm. Um, that to me is, is so important because there's data to actually show. But if we have more women and girls in those fields, making decisions and sitting on boards, we will have a better global economy and that uplifts all areas. That's, that's global. Um, that's not me being capitalistic. That's me being like, I want socially for the world to get better because of all of the power women bring to the table. And so I just, I feel really strongly that we need more girls in those positions. If you don't get to a girl by the time she's eight years old and she doesn't have proper mentorship, she, her self-esteem peaks at that age. So from eight years on, they start to dumb themselves down in the classroom if they don't have the appropriate conversations, role modeling and mentorship in place. So for me, that's why I speak so much about why we need to have these girls in these positions. And I so much of my work is talking to their moms. Right. Like I want to talk to their moms. Like, what's your self-talk? Who are your friends? What are you doing? Because your daughter is watching you and we need to get her through college, onto a board, you know, creating change. And if we can get, we can get moms and dads to kind of realize how we're programming them now, I think we have a a better solution for them next gen.
3: That's incredible. I'm just curious, is there something that stands out in your mind of the letter that you wrote to your younger self?
5: Yeah, it's funny. So I didn't want to write the letter to my younger (laughs) self. I'll be the cruise director and I'll have all these women share their letters. <laughs> and That's my whole unworthiness thing. Right. So um, one of the women actually challenged me on camera and said, you know, if you make us do this hard work, you have to do it too. And I struggled with it and i finally wrote it. And what really surprised me is I, the first sentence of my love letters, my younger self was you will spend most of your life believing you are unlovable. And I didn't consciously realize that. So I was walking into my relationships uh, as from a place of I'm unlovable. I was walking into my work situation from a place of unworthiness. I don't belong here. So there was a lot of lack, um, coming from me where I would just accept whatever was offered to me. And when you have that kind of astounding clarity, You can't look away from it and be like, oh, I'll deal with that another day. You all of a sudden have to kind of scan over the course of your life and say, wow, I have done this. Um, My love letter has helped me change my, I I was single for six years. I wrote my love letter while I was single. I'm now in the most purposeful, mindful, loving relationship I've ever been in. We are consciously blending a family. And I don't know that I ever would have been in this place And where I was able to sit across from a man and say, this is what I need from you. This is what I want from you. And this is what I will offer you. Here is where I come to the table and here is where I will ask you. And we are committed to conversation and to raising the strongest girls possible. And I don't know that I would ever have gotten to that place if I didn't realize this really ugly truth about myself.
4: Wow that's fascinating. Now I'm going to go uh, home and write a love letter to myself, <laughs> or, or try to, because you're right. Just this, this, the sheer idea of it is so debilitating.
3: Did you share your love letter that you wrote to yeah. yourself?
5: It's at the end of the book in the very end. Cause I was like, you can get to it at the very end. Um, I wrote it in the very end. And the other thing that was really interesting to me that I didn't recognize before I wrote it was that I, um, I was raised in a very violent neighborhood. We were very, very poor. And I didn't realize how the violence of the neighborhood had affected me um, until I wrote the letter. And I was like, wow, this stayed with me. Like the, the hypervigilance and the fear of safety and fear of men, that was all included. And in, I didn't realize how deeply it it, it was It was entrenched within, but it was kind of like one of those challenges from everyone on my teams, like all of the people who wrote letters, my brand manager, the publisher, they're like, you know, you have to put this in here, right?
4: (laughs) 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 That's so great. Is there any final advice you would give to our listeners, to us, to yourself, your future self or your daughter, um, just about growing up in this day and age and being a part of the revolution of women?
5: I would say commit to yourself first. I think that's the absolute first thing you have to do. And that means even to the hard work before you can help another, before you can pay anything forward, you have to understand what you are subconsciously paying forward, including your messaging and your belief systems. So I think the first thing I would say is commit to yourself, really go within. And then once you really have a firm rooted understanding of what you are sharing with the world. Eyes up, help those girls, help the next gen, help the global community. I think we are so incredibly powerful once we have a better foundation. I
3: love that. Well, thank you so much, Jeanette. Where can our listeners find you? What are your social handles?
5: I am on Instagram at ms. Jeanette Schneider. I'm on Twitter at msjwrites. The book is on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. And my website is Com.
4: You also have a blog, right? Are you actively writing on your blog?
5: I haven't been as much lately. It's Lauren little uh-huh. um, and I, I've posted like the podcast episodes have gone, So, and the podcast is gold. Um, <laughs> but I, I, haven't as much lately. I'm actually working on something kind of exciting that we'll be launching probably in about six to eight months. Um, so stay tuned. Follow me on Instagram because I've got all the stuff I'm talking about. We're turning into tools.
4: Fantastic. Oh, we can't wait to hear what it is. (laughs) (laughs) We'll have
3: to have you back when you launch it.
5: (laughs) I love it. That's amazing.
3: Well, thank you so much for the tools that you shared with us today. They're wonderfully helpful and thank you for taking the time and everything that you're doing. Girl power. <laughs> love, I
5: love it. it congratulations on the baby. Woo, thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much.
4: Of I learned so much from Jeanette. I'm so grateful for that conversation we just
3: had. And now I want to schedule out my whole year, just like she said. I am desperately wanting to schedule out my whole year and just have a day where I like the idea of being able to tell loved ones, like, no, this is my productive day. And I'm giving all of my. Focus to work today or from these hours, even when she mentioned if it needs to be, you know, a little bit more broken up, but I loved that so much. And I really, really want to apply that to my life. I think I'm going to take from this as
4: well, that the idea of, okay, today's the day that I'm going to spend time with the people I love most, because when you, put a label on a day like that, then you can constantly remind yourself throughout hourly, minutely, whatever you need. Hey, no, today's not the day I'm working. Put the phone down. I'm going to be right here with whoever I'm with. And because I love this person so much and just be with them. And I guess I know for myself, if I give myself that permission, I'll follow it. But sometimes it's just making the decision to
3: give the permission. I I want us to write letters to our younger selves. Are you open to it? Yeah,
4: I'm open to it. It's really, for some reason, it seems very um, difficult and very confrontive, but I will definitely do that because I think anytime you have an extreme reaction to something, it means you should do it. So let's do it. You want to do it?
3: I'm up for it. Okay.
4: Well, I know in our past episodes with Jen Zabowski and Michael Trevino, we talked about our younger selves and. Um, things we would say to our younger selves and advice we'd give and everything. But this time we're going to do it. We're going to sit down and we're going to write the letters, the love letter to ourselves. I love that. We're going to be
3: proactive. And we invite you guys to do the same. Oh God. And we're going to post it. We have to post (laughs) it. We will.
4: And we will commit to that.
3: Okay. I like that. Challenge accepted. It's interesting. I feel like that's been a big theme of this past year, even back into 2018 is kind of recognizing a new kind of making peace with my relationship with the younger version of myself. And have you experienced that? I feel like there were a lot of dinners for a while when the me too movement started that a lot of women were coming together and in either accepting things that or or not accepting, rejecting things that they accepted in their past as it was just supposed to be accepted. Cause that's how things were. And then now in adulthood kind of mourning their, the parts of their, their youth that they kind of allowed things to happen where they didn't want it to happen that way. Yeah, absolutely. Does that make sense? Absolutely, it makes sense. And I, I think you're right. A lot of that is happening.
4: But I also would say that experiencing all that in our youth has made us who we are today and now we're able to look back and grow from it absolutely I would never wish anyone to experience those me too moments at all but I do know that like having experienced what I've been through now makes me stronger today because of it it's
3: it's a um it's an interesting
4: perspective yeah
3: I guess it's just the idea of of looking back in those times when, you know, choices or even or times where you maybe weren't the best version of yourself, because looking back, obviously, you know, now like, oh, I was young or I needed to go through that. Exactly. I needed to experience that to become the woman that I am today. But you know, those nights where you can't sleep and all of a sudden you're laying in bed and you're thinking of every single terrible thing you've ever done. Shame spiral. The Shame spiral. And I feel like this kind of, I don't know if it's like a, because women are now talking in such a better or talking with other women and people, women are feeling more vulnerable right now and power in their vulnerability, or if it's just, this is kind of what happens in this chapter of life. and Once you start getting in your thirties, but I've really been within in this past year aware of wanting to, um, make peace and just love on the child version of me or the younger, my younger self. I love that. Have you felt that at all?
4: I mean, not, I wouldn't say specifically, but I think that's such a wonderful way to grow. Yeah. And um, I think there's just so much, I I really want to encourage our listeners to, if you, if you feel like you're going through anything that Jeanette talked about or that we've discussed, get her book, because not only is her book going to help and have all the, all this advice in it, but it has active, Um, you know, it's almost like a workbook, she said. So there's all these things that you can implement in life. And um, I just, I guess I love self-help stuff. So this is (laughs) totally up my alley. Um,
3: Yeah. So again, once again, guys, her book is called Lore, Harnessing Your Past to Create Your Future. She also has a wonderful podcast called Gold with Jeanette Schneider. Um, and, And thank you guys for listening. I hope you guys picked up some great little life tips and tricks. And we cannot wait to hang out with you again next Monday, all new episode for years we've known about probiotics for our
4: guts yet our cleaning supplies are busy wiping out all the good with the bad
3: bring probiotic power to your home with microcosmic cleaners and hand soaps from aunt fanny's they add good with a beneficial bacteria extract plus safe plant-based cleaners they're tough on
4: dirt gentle on you shop auntfanniescom good and use coupon code challenged at checkout for 20 percent off your entire order